No me moleste mosquito, no me moleste mosquito, no me moleste mosquito, why don't you go No me moleste mosquito, let me eat my burrito, no me moleste mosquito, why don't you go Robbie, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Really appreciate your uh, time. And um, I, uh, I, 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 I've been talking to a lot of people now about uh, this particular uh, topic and just the music scene in, in Toronto in the late 60s. But I want to ask you, um, why did you agree to do this interview? What did you think was so important about that story that you wanted to share? Uh, well, I just remember that gig being pretty cool. And uh, and uh, I, I just saw it. I saw a part of it. Uh, did they do a video on it recently? There's there's lots of stuff on YouTube that I've been watching actually, and there's a film, uh, a couple of films, but I guess bootleg stuff. Uh, anyway, it seems that it was really a cool gig. I'll always remember it. So. Do you remember how that came together? Because it seems like kind of an unusual sort of lineup uh, of people, uh, pretty eclectic uh, by today's standards. But do you remember how that came together? Um, no, <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, I remember when they mentioned it to us, it just seemed so cool to have, you know, all the, all the, old rockers you know chuck berry and little richard and everybody and then and then have you know the the you know a lot of uh, newer guys like us and john lennon and stuff together it's very cool did you know much about toronto before then because you were spending a lot of time you know in los angeles and touring around but what did you know about toronto uh pretty much nothing um i knew I knew it had a, a cool uh, uh, music scene. What was that street where everybody used to go? Well, there's Young Street and there's Yorkville. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm wondering if we had done a gig but, uh, before this one uh, in one of those clubs up there. Part we of, well, part of the story that I'm telling is that there's a neighborhood in Toronto called Yorkville where back around between say 66 and 71 is where uh you know steppenwolf got started uh, you know Bob right, Dylan right. used to hang out here you know gordon lightfoot Joni mitchell neil young and so that's part of the story that we're telling were i mean how aware were you of those artists that that i just mentioned and the fact that they were from toronto uh yeah i mean you know of course most of them were in la by that time and uh, you know we, we would they would tell us about it and how cool it was and stuff and uh, I guess that's how how uh, I knew about it so I I recently uh, rediscovered the uh, the other voices album and it's fantastic by the way I mean uh, oh thanks you know I mean uh, um, ships with sails and hang on to your life and uh, uh, a variety of spice I mean these are fantastic fantastic songs and um, 
I know that that must have been sort of a you know rough or uh, uh, I guess uh, you know uh, a challenging sort of transition. But do you remember what was going on sort of during that time? Sort of that you know from 1969 to 71, a lot of things were changing for you back then. Uh, do you remember what was going on for you? Well, the main thing was that Jim had just gone to Paris and, and had not come back. And, you know, we, when he left, uh, John and Ray and I kept rehearsing and, and writing songs and stuff, you know, thinking that Jim would be back at some point. And uh, so those are the songs that ended up uh, on that album. It's, uh, you know, once you get past the expectation of having Jim Morrison there, uh, uh, and then you sort of dive into the actual compositions, just, they're just, they're amazing. I, I'm so happy that I rediscovered them. In fact, I'd love to use them on this film if I can at some point, but. Um, uh, that'd be great. All right, well, let's, we'll definitely talk about that. So uh, I want to ask you, and on that note too, um, a lot of the songs that you wrote yourself and, you know, that you collaborate with, uh with the band have become sort of synonymous with the political vibe of the 60s um but i'm not sure if you guys saw yourselves as a political band versus an artistic one i mean can you maybe comment on that a little bit um you know we always tried to stay out of the political thing you know i mean we uh I mean, Jim, especially his his idea was that a band band music should should mirror society, you know, and not try to be one way or the other. Um, so we, you know, we didn't. I mean, yeah, of course, we we're against the war and all that stuff. And in fact, we did do one song about the, the called the Universal Soldier, but um, mostly we we tried to stay out of politics one way or the other and and be more of a mirror of society i mean was that tough to do in 1968 i mean how <laughs> how did vietnam you know uh, uh affect you or, or change you well um you know we were you know ray had already been in the in the army uh he was stationed in uh Philippines, I think, or somewhere over there, and uh, you know, he, he he was older than us. You know, he was like 27 by that time. So he'd, uh, you know, once he got in the army, he he realized what it was all about, and he he, he got out of it, and luckily, and uh, he came back home, and and he was turned into a hippie. Um, so he, he, you know, we kind of learned from him, uh, you know, especially what was happening over in Vietnam. And, uh, so the three of us, John and Ray, and I mean, John and Jim and I, we did our utmost to stay out. You know, we, we, uh, I don't, I don't know how Jim did it, but uh, I think John t told him he was gay or something. <laughs> and I, I had. I, I had this uh, psychiatrist say I was crazy, and uh, you know we we uh, luckily were able to beat the system and not have to go because uh, you know especially after Muhammad Ali it was you know I just thought that whole trip of him 
you know, publicly coming out against the war. That was so cool. And uh, I just uh, admired him so much, so much for that. There, there was a lot of, or at least enough, American artists who came to Toronto uh, during that time, uh, Rick James being one of them, because they were trying to get away right. from right. from Vietnam. When when you were here in Toronto, I mean, I don't know if you were here long enough to get a sense of it, but did, did you get the impression that there was a bit of a, a different vibe here with regards to just the whole political scene in the war, or did it seem the same? Well, I mean, if you lived in Hollywood at that time, it, it was the same. <laughs> you know, if you were in Tennessee or somewhere like that, who knows? Maybe it would have been different, but it was pretty, very similar. As an artist at that time, when you were creating the work that you were creating, um, do, do you think that a lot of that was a product of the times that you were in, or could you have written those songs now uh, with, with, with the same group of guys, um, you know, if you were like a young person just starting out now? Was there something special about that time that kind of resulted in the work that it did, which lasted this long? I mean, it's still as relevant as it was back then. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was a a product uh, partially of of the time i always say hey we were we came up at the right time in the right place you know and uh it was definitely a cool time to be uh starting out in the, in the music business and um i don't know i was I, I just think we were very lucky to be there at that time and place when you look back on that now and sort of look back on your on your life and your times i mean uh, do you do you think that i mean how do you feel about the fact that stuff that you've written is you know as timeless as it is well i think you know it i don't know whether it was luck or being at the right place at the right time or whatever it was uh, it, it, i'm so amazed that that uh, you know after jim was gone and stuff and and uh, we did those couple of albums ourselves uh, i thought that was it so i was no more doors you know i didn't think anybody would care 10 years from now or 50 years from now but i was wrong luckily it's amazing I mean, it's amazing like these 10 year old kids come up to me and Oh, I love the tours. You know, I'm, you know, I'm learning to play such a song, this song or that one, and uh, it just makes you feel so good. Well, if you don't mind me saying, like, you know, listening to the other voices album, and um, you realize just how much of an impact the the orchestration and just the you know your riffs uh, and the uh, unpredictable sort of changes that are in the in the music and the combination between the keyboards and the guitar, like how much uh, of that is the essence of Doors music? You know what I mean? That uh, that, be, that maybe people don't recognize because Jim was such an overpowering, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of mythical figure that they kind of, they connect the, that kind of poetry uh, to that. But, you know, your lyrics with that music, it just, uh, there's been nothing like it ever since. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. I, I mean, we, uh, I think if, if it wasn't for the three of us, nobody would ever know who Jim Morrison was. You know, it was just a perfect, uh, perfect group of people. You know, Jim was too crazy, man. He he, he wouldn't have been able to uh, to sustain 
<clears throat> six albums uh, by by himself, and he wouldn't have done any music by, by himself. He knew nothing about music, you know. He, and then he meets Ray, who uh, you know grew up playing classical piano, and but just by the way, he lived in Chicago and and <laughs> grew up uh, with Muddy Waters and all those those guys get get to see them in person and so and uh you know i just happened to be a, a flamenco player and folk music guy and john was into jazz so it was just uh, the perfect combination of people and the perfect time and place and probably never happen again do you think about jim a lot ah uh, it's pretty hard not to <laughs> What I mean, what do you think? I mean, because you know, like again, because I haven't asked you about Jim, but it's come up. But does like, what do you think when you think about that that time and those years and him? Um, I, I still have no idea where he was coming from. You know, I <laughs> never met anybody like him, and uh, probably never will. And uh, you know. I wasn't really uh, I wasn't really a people person back then still not but uh, the chances of me meet not only meeting a guy like that but you know getting to live with him for you know those many years uh, just crazy it's just some, some somebody had something to do with it other than fate well yeah fate's a powerful thing for sure. I mean, but, but I think that combination that you had sort of afterwards too, uh, and I can't wait to dive into the full circle album as well, because I want to hear how that evolution went. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. There's one song that I did called uh, Mosquito, No Me Moleste Mosquito, which was just a silly song. I was down in Mexico and there was this band, uh, uh, Mexican guys, you know, and they weren't even uh, what are those bands called? Mariachis. Right. Yeah. No, they 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 were trying to be mariachis, but they were so poor they had they didn't even have uh, hats and stuff. <laughs> they would come down to this place where I was staying every night, and uh, one of their songs was about a mosquito, so I, that that gave me the idea for that song, and. Everywhere in the Spanish-speaking world, that song is like almost bigger than "Light My Fire." It's so funny. It's that thing got more uh, uh, people, you know, covers than any of our songs except for "Light My Fire." I'm familiar with that song. Actually. <laughs> that, um... Yeah, I still do it once in a while. Well, when speaking of which, when you look at today's music scene. Um, I mean, I don't know how familiar or how kind of tuned in you are to it and sort of all the things that are going on, but how do you think it compares to kind of, you know, the right place, right time magic of what was going on back then? Well, I mean, it's totally different, you know, um, because of uh, because of computers and stuff. But, uh, you know, I think there's some good stuff that coming out and... Um, I hope, I hope it'll will get over the 
this period that we're in uh, of, you know, too much uh, perfection is what it is. You know, when you get, when you're recording with computers, iTunes, uh, all that stuff, it, it, the danger is that it tends to get too perfect and there's nothing that really, it catches my ear, uh, you know, and like like I, I always tell people when I when they're playing the door songs hey the doors were never perfect we we play it when we played those songs it, they were different every time you know and like uh, and I these guys that work for me my roadies and stuff they they all play in, in doors tribute bands right and so they're always telling me hey you didn't do that right I said there is no right wrong you know that that's how it was in those days you know today every you know when you're recording and a, a beat is missing or you know or a half a second late they always have to fix it you know and it just it's too mechanical okay one uh, i think last question then i'll let you go do your stuff i um if there was one thing that you wish people knew uh, about either yourself or the doors or even your time with Jim that maybe they don't know, what would that be? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, it's, um, well, I mean, I, I wish they knew how Jim really was, you know, he was a guy that didn't care about money. He really, he really didn't. I mean, some people say that about themselves, but it's not true. I mean, he he, he lived in this crappy motel across the street from our uh, our office, um, and uh, you know, he he had money. Of course, he had money, and he never really had a car except in the last year or so when he got that blue. Uh, uh, what was it? Chevy, um, you've seen pictures of it, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he would stay at, at girlfriends' houses and stuff like that. But uh, money was not a motivator for him. You know, he, uh, it's hard to explain, but, you know, I've never met anybody like that. <clears throat> I can relate. Uh, I haven't been making much money in my artistic <laughs> pursuits, so I can't say I can compare myself, but yeah, I can sort of understand that. Um, well, this has been great. And I'm really serious about uh, the other voices album. I really think it's fantastic. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to your manager and see what, uh, what I can do to sort of use uh, some of the yeah. songs because i just think they're i'm like totally hooked on them now so uh that's cool that's very cool maybe i can kind of well i did want to say a few things about this toronto festival yes oh yeah of course of course <laughs> that. Figure out we we're supposed to talk about well the, the coolest thing was that when we got to the airport we were we were met by probably 25 hell's angels who escorted us to the to the venue from the airport? So that, that was very cool. We never never had anything like that. And then uh, when we uh, when we it was our turn to play, 
we had to go after Little Richard, which was a big mistake <laughs> because he was just on that night, man. He he did like most of the set from the top of the piano, <laughs> standing on top of the piano with his gold sequin jacket on, and, and uh, Jim was Jim was just, oh man, we have to go on after that. And, uh, and that was the first time I'd ever seen Jim give compliments to uh, to the other bands uh, on a show. And he just went on and on about Chuck Berry and Little Richard and all the uh, all the old uh, bands that had played before us. What about cool. John and Yoko? Were you were you there for that? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Jim didn't say much about them. <laughs> I think Yoko f- fucked up the whole set by by playing the whole set inside of a laundry bag. <laughs> yeah, you saw that, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know how she could hear what was going on in, inside there, but uh, it was kind of silly. One of the mythologies about that particular gig was that um, that's where the um, the practice of uh, uh, using lighters, you know, as as tributes, uh, kind of started. Uh, because the uh, the story goes that uh, I guess they did it to make John Lennon feel not. Um, I guess he was pretty uh, nervous about the show, so they wanted to calm him down. And somebody suggested that I don't know if it's a true story or not, but do you remember? Any lighters, or that being the first time you saw that practice happen? Well, they used to do that for us, you know, when we'd play Light My Fire all the time. So that wasn't the first time. But yeah, I, I remember that. And uh, I don't know whether that made him feel good or not, but <laughs> that was pretty cool to see. That was a big uh, audience. I forget how many people. Do you know? It was, yeah, I think it was like in the tw- 20 or 40,000 or something like that from what I read. It was, it was at Varsity Stadium, which was a big, right next door to Yorkville. Did you spend time in Toronto after that or did you hop mm, on a plane? I, I think we're out of there the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you, I mean, I guess you didn't get a chance to kind of get a, did you Did you spend much time in Toronto after that uh, gig? Like, had you come back? Uh, oh, yeah, after? yeah, yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, mostly just one Robbie Krieger band stuff. You know, I do my jazz and stuff like that. So, but I don't think that Doors ever played there after that. Do you? Was there anything else about that particular gig that uh, that you remember that uh, would make for a good story? I mean, you told me some great stories already. <laughs> um, well, I always remember Alice Cooper and the Chickens. That was uh, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And then he did that again when we played in Vegas together. Um, and this time, Alice brought the, all the chicken. He brought a whole bunch of chickens and set them free in the audience. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, we knew Alice from from uh, he was from Arizona, but he they came the whole band came out to L.A. and uh, and they loved loved the Doors. And, uh, so they were always hanging around our office and stuff. There's a strong connection between LA and Toronto. There's a lot of artists, you know, from then, you know, John Kay talks about how he left here to go to the Troubadour 
and washed dishes and then you know came back and that's kind of how how his career sort of got started between the two and there's still a strong connection between toronto and los angeles and there's some oh, yeah. similarities in the accent uh, too do you um i mean what do you think about that that's true. Yeah, I remember. I remember, you know, Joni and, and Neil Young and, and all those guys. Uh, they would always talk about Toronto, how cool it was. But, I mean, then why would they come here if it was that cool? <laughs> I think they were, you know, they, they realized that uh, the music biz was not as uh, powerful back there at that time. And uh, I've become buddies with... Um, with um jesus christ my memory is fucked up um the guys from rush oh yeah uh, getty alex lifeson uh, alex yeah alex comes almost every year and plays in our uh we do an event for uh, saint jude's and uh, he he loves that because he's a golfer you know so uh, i'm a big golfer too uh, he's uh, he loves Toronto. Obviously, he still lives there. Well, hopefully, we can get you back here when uh, when all this mess is over. If you're into it, you know, I uh, I do something. Yeah, I'd love to come there and do something. Mm-hmm.